Hey folks, it's uh, Justin McElroy here. Listen, just want to warn you ahead of time, while uh, this week's show will still be free profanity as you've come to uh, uh, expect from us, we do get into some uh, uh, adult topics. So uh, if you're listening with the kids, you might want to make sure that they're comfortable with that, I guess. I don't know <laughs> what your relationship is like with your kids. I'd have that whole birds and the bees talk with them before listening to this episode Just, if I were you. You go ahead and knock that out. Thanks. Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about to books. One, two, one, two, three, four. to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I am your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. It's the holiday season. That was it. It's your friend. Try again. It's the holiday season. Holiday season. So hickory dick hickory, hickory, hickory dock. Dick, Don't forget dock. to hang up your smocks, Sid. Hang up your socks. Hang up your socks, Sid. Hang up your stocks. Hang up your stocks. Don't get caught in the stocks. Uh, Sydney, it's... Um, I don't know this song clearly it's the holiday season um i I, i've of course started my shopping as as is my as is my use uh in in october but i'm still needing a few more things to fill out your stocking uh well honey actually i was really hoping for a sex box this year oh yeah um well i mean i i already have the new xbox uh but i mean i guess i could get a second one i never thought you were that into games. No, 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 no. Not, not an Xbox. A sex box. A, s- a sex box? I was really hoping to like... Is that on Amazon or... To capture like my, my orgastic potency, mm-hmm. you know, my orgone energy. Um, I don't really feel like I've got a good handle on it. So um, I, I really need a sex box or an orgone <laughs> accumulator. Don't, Sorry. Don't <laughs> of course, be- that's probably the name you know him by. Uh, don't beat yourself up. Uh, time has proven that I don't have that great of a handle on your orgastic energy either. So we're at least in the same boat on, on that front. <laughs> Marriage humor. Marriage humor. Sydney, what's a sex box? Like, what What are you even saying? Well, to understand what a sex box is, I think I think we're gonna have to. I mean, I understand what a sex box is. <laughs> I don't want. But I don't want people out there thinking I don't know about some cool sex thing. Because it sounds like a cool sort of like sex thing. Right. So I just want you to tell the people at home what it is because I know already. Right. You instantly thought it was an Xbox, like a video game machine. That's just a little cool guy humor that we use to throw off the plebs. <laughs> That's what you call it, right? A video game machine? A video game contraption, actually. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Okay, Sid, sex box. Okay, if I'm going to explain what a sex box is, I'm probably going to have to treat you to a little biography. 
I'm ready. This is this will be your oral biography for the day. Okay. Uh, I'm going to tell you about a guy named Wilhelm Reich. Okay. So clearly you know all about him already. So I'll just skip to the. No, I don't. I'm not that much of a cool guy. I will admit I don't know about Wilhelm Reich. He sounds German though. Austrian, but close. Right. I can handle that. I can live with Austrian. So he was an Austrian born in 1897. Uh, to be fair, he was raised to speak only German. So there's that. Okay. And um, So I was right. It, this guy's going to grow up to be a psychiatrist, and I'm going to tell you a lot of weird stuff about that. Um, but it's important to know that early on, we're going to go and we're going to go in or- chronological order here. Early on, um, he had an interest in sex. This how, is something, how early are we talking? Uh, like he started visiting brothels when he was 15. Cool. That's a cool kid. Yeah. He, um, he masturbated daily. He liked to watch animals have sex. And he was uh, upper class, and so he had sex with all of his servants as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually also Where did he find animals having sex. That's not. Yeah. I, th- I I would like the I, woods. Okay, I have to think <laughs> that if you and anyone in their day to day life, I'm not going to say anyone. Ninety percent of people, their day to day life, come across animals having sex. They are not going to immediately like avert their gaze i think they will at least take a moment and just be like well that's crazy those animals are having sex well I'm, I'm assuming he like actively sought out animals that were having sex hey you got any you got any uh, good tips <laughs> on where i can find some animals <laughs> having sex? i'm a stranger in town i'm 15 maybe maybe in austria that happens all over the place where can a kid go to <laughs> watch animals two having sex do all it. over yeah <laughs> um he actually, um, when he was a kid, also would watch his mother have sex with his tutor. His mother was having an affair with his tutor, and he would sneak up and watch that. That's just sloppy affairing. Yeah, that he Miss that Reich. was actually the subject of the first case report he would ever write later on as a physician about a case of breaching the incest taboo when he was watching his mom have sex. Gross. Gross start, uh, Wilhelm. I hope it gets better. We should also uh, thank uh, Ross and Ellen for... Um, yeah, thank you, Ross and Ellen. That you are the topic. you inspired this episode and our, our research into the very strange and kind of gross Wilhelm Reich. If you want to uh, suggest a topic, you can email us sawbones at maximumfun.org. Sorry, Sydney, go right ahead. So he's so the as we go into his medical career, it starts out pretty benign. He served in the army and then he started studying medicine, and you know that's probably what a doctor should start out doing. Uh, <laughs> it's a, a very good place it's, to start. It's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a great, great entry into the into the medical world. Um, you know, all doctors have to choose their specialty, and it's not uncommon for them to find a mentor of such that, that you know, or such that would um, help guide them and, in, in what specialty they would choose. And he met Freud, Sigmund Freud, in 1919, and they became close friends, and that uh, inspired him to go into, you know, psychoanalysis and psychiatry. Freud actually even let him start seeing patients for psychoanalysis even before he had finished medical school. So he must have been pretty on point. I mean, if he could get basically like an internship with Freud. Well, I mean, he was on point in the sense that Freud really liked him. Yeah. So, which, I mean, let's, I don't know let's how good of a judge of character what Freud was. Well, he's a little bit of a weirdo, too. It's kind of a weirdo. No offense. Some great ideas. A little, little weird. Especially back then, right? Didn't everybody think weird. he was a weirdo? Uh, no, at the time, I mean, he was pretty well-respected, I think. Okay. And so him endorsing Wilhelm Reich gave him a lot of credibility. 
Um, when he finished uh, school, he joined the Vienna Psychoanalytics Association, and he actually um, rented a house down the street from Freud and would just see patients out of that house. Mm-hmm. And that's when this things... is getting a little single white female for my tastes. <laughs> well, this is Freud. When... <laughs> funny running into you. Gosh, we keep. Uh, yeah, I know Wilhelm. You wait for me at my mailbox every day. What do you want? Is that your favorite bakery? That's my favorite it's bakery. My, it's the only one in town, Wilhelm. This is weird. You're weirding me out, and I'm Freud. So what was Vienna? Something. I bet there was, were a lot of bakeries. Sydney, <laughs> what have we talked about? Interrupting the flow. Sorry, Justin. So this is okay. This is when things started to go a little awry, because unlike, as far as I know, this is not true of Sigmund Freud. Uh, Wilhelm Reich started having sex with his patients. Not like a great therapeutic relationship. No, absolutely not recommended. Um, it's actually one of the few things that I definitely have to teach in my medical school curriculum. Like, I am I am required to teach my medical students not to have sex with their patients. I have to explicitly say that. I bet that's a short lesson, though. I mean, just mm-hmm. don't do that. Yeah, I pretty much just in the middle of another lecture say, oh, and by the way, don't have sex with your patients. Now you've been told. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on <laughs> to less obvious topics. I would love to meet the guy. the the one Because you know that policy has to be uh, instituted because some guy at some point was like, what? They didn't tell me no, not to. Nobody told me not to. That's, that's why all these policies are instituted. Yeah, right. Um, so he, he was continuing to see patients. He was having sex with some of his patients. Um, he made the mistake or I don't know, maybe it was the, the lucky, maybe not a mistake, whatever the serendipitous action of uh, seeing a patient named Annie Pink, who he had an affair with and then was forced to marry by her father. So interestingly enough, she became a psychoanalyst as well. And they had two kids, both of whom became doctors. This should have turned his life around. Don't you think? You would think that that seems like, okay, enough of being weird. But see, the thing is, he wasn't satisfied with just practicing his little family of psychoanalysts on in the Freud, you know, tradition. He wanted to kind of, you know, strike out on his own with his own theories. So he developed the concept of what's called character armor. Character armor. Okay, like armor class, like in Dungeons and Dragons, you have a plus three to your goblin defense character armor. I don't know what any of that means. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great, great. Your character armor. You're really respecting the flow, and I I, I gotta give that up. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to pretend to like your? Just pretend to like Dungeons and your Dragons dice games? for once. I don't know dice game. We're not shooting craps <laughs> with with Slim Ricky down on down on the the alley. You're right. It's much cooler. You're hanging out with Dungeon Master Joe down in the basement. Um, that's a stereotype. You can play Dungeons and Dragons anywhere. It doesn't have to be. It could be the attic. Below ground, but it could be a den. Your parents' living room. A rumpus room. (laughs) Um, No, character armor. So basically, it was the idea that if you looked at uh, the expressions and the mannerisms of a person and kind of the way they hold their physical body, the way their posture, their gait, that um, you could read into their like. Uh, neuroses and their defense mechanisms and that kind of thing. So you're talking about like literally the the way they carry themselves. Yes, like their armor is their physical self and it displays their character. That's not that far off, right? I mean, like there's some truth to that for some extreme cases, right? Well, definitely, you know, someone who is anxious appears that way. Mm. But I think the interesting thing about it is that instead of necessarily addressing the the problem the anxiety or what would have what have you that um you could diagnose the problem by looking at them and then you could fix it by um fixing the physical uh mannerisms so like 
massage them really hard. Just loosen up. Yeah. Like your jaw seems really stiff. I'm going to push on it until it hurts really bad. And then it'll be cured. And that was the kind of stuff he would do. Like, I'm just going to push on that spot on your back for a long time. Like really hard, like with my fist. It sounds like a massage, but it wasn't. No, it's something much. He tried to convince people it wasn't a massage. And he liked this idea of the character, and he actually did a lot of, of you know, um, theorizing and philosophizing about the character and how well, the role it plays in different neuroses. Um, but then he he got into a different. You know, I mentioned that in the beginning he had this this really early interest in, in sex, and so he began to incorporate that into his kind of theories about psychiatry and and psychoanalysis. Um, he started opening sex clinics all around Vienna because he thought that if people could have better sex and have more orgasms, they'd probably be happier. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I think. Um, he had a whole group with him of physicians and, and a lawyer for some reason that you could call at any hour of the day and ask questions about sex. They would give you contraception, which was very, you know, uh, controversial at the time. Um, they would also give you a lot of Marxist political advice. Okay, you kind of slid that one in there, Wilhelm, but I guess. (laughs) He actually... Is that like if you want to get dinner at the soup kitchen, you have to learn about Jesus? Same principle? Exactly, if you want to get some condoms. Let me just... You have to learn about Karl Marx. Karl Marx. Uh, He started the... the, I had a sex clinic where you had to learn about Richard Marx. All his (laughs) hits of the 80s. You had to be able to recite... Don't mean nothing, but like verbatim, cold from memory, all the verses, and then I would teach you about having sex. Because oh, once you're able to do that, you've mastered the art of seduction. Yeah, that's that, there you go. <laughs> you've, that's the trick is like, at the end, you've repeated all the Richard Marx tunes, and you're like, that's it. That's everything you need to know. That's all. You've the, gra- the student has become the master. <laughs> yeah, you've graduated, and I pull off a mask, and I've been Richard Marx the whole time. Please buy some literature on your way out. Things have been a little tight. <laughs> So a lot of what he did, he started this German Society of Proletarian Sexual Politics, um, where you could answer like sex poll questions. That that was kind of the idea, and and um, it was all about sexual freedom in conjunction with these political beliefs. Uh, he had like a mobile clinic where he would go around, and and he had a whole group where he would talk to he would talk to teens and and the male patients while women all got fitted for contraceptive devices, and then there would be another doc who would specialize in talking to children. Um, he had a lot of progressive views about that sex before marriage was okay. Well, yeah, well, you okay. know, okay. Um, he believed that sex at a younger age was okay. Getting yeah. ticier? And I will say that he was overwhelmed with patients using these uh, tactics yeah all of them teens <laughs> hey listen we heard that uh you're cool yeah i mean like super cool you heard you're cool um he uh he began to morph this into the theory of what i mentioned earlier orga- orgastic potency so that the way to to be psych- psychiatrically healthy is to lose yourself in just a really great orgasm because in that moment, you'll release all of your negative emotions and all of your muscle tension, and you'll be fine. And you can cure all neuroses. Uh, that seemed, oh, wait, hold on. Did you say cure all neuroses? Yes, cure all neuroses as Cure way. all neuroses. So is a cure-all. He, um, he began to be known, he wrote a book about this, and he was known as the founder of a genital Called utopia. Men are from Mars, <laughs> women are from Venus. He was also known as the prophet of the better orgasm. That was actually my college nickname, which is great. (laughs) 
Um, what I think is great is this is he sent this book to Freud because, you know, they were buddies. And this is when Freud started going, you know, maybe th- maybe I misjudged this guy. This guy's maybe a little because he kind of wrote him back and said, OK, this is weird. You don't really you don't really believe this, right? He was like, no, I totally do. He totally did. I and totally uh, do. And that started that that would that would count the beginning of the end of his relationship with Freud. And this is where he really starts kind of um, branching out on his own. Uh, he starts talking about um, character armor more and and saying that it actually can um, it can cause problems, like it can cause disease. So he he said that after he fell out with Freud, that the reason that Freud later got cancer of the jaw was because he had a really strict Jewish upbringing. And he repressed his sexual desires, and that if if he hadn't done that, he would never have gotten cancer. That's an awkward phone call, huh? Yeah. So here I, I hear that uh, you solved my cancer, huh? Because uh, I'm a Jewish person. Really? Really? That's the best you got? That's okay. That's where you're coming from? Um, which was even even uh, more interesting. He was actually a Jewish person himself. So <laughs> just apparently cooler yeah. one. Well, his parents refused to raise him as such. So I guess. Yeah, he thought my that parents was, were chill. Yeah. That's why I'm not going to get jaw cancer. <laughs> um, he but continued to... Now, at this point, he, he took his ideas about having sex before marriage and started promoting adolescent sex nah. as a way to um, start the process of like uh, ending neuroses and psychiatric health even earlier. You can't see it, but I'm tapping out. That's me yeah. just tapping out. He was, and he was kicked out of the uh, Vienna Psychiatric Association for this. He actually was kicked out of the Communist Party wow. for this. Too much for them. Um, and, and eventually, you know, we're going into the same time period when Hitler came to power. So uh, he actually had to flee the country anyway. He moved to Denmark after several different moves where nobody wanted him. Um, he moved to Denmark and they let him live there. But they told him before he even applied that he could not join their Communist Party. Yeah, we've heard. We Listen, we get the newsletter, OK? Um, he did at this point, he was continuing, I should say, through all this time period to practice psychoanalysis and therapy wherever he went, even though uh, largely his theories were being denounced, he would um, he would still see patients. And he started to develop uh, therapy where he, you know, and some of this is actually OK. He would sit across from his patients as opposed to the old, you know, patient laying on the couch, staring at the ceiling kind of thing. And then he would have sex with them, well, which is then, where... Exactly. Then he would ask them to undress. Nah, okay, see. And he would touch them while they were naked in order to release their their various character armor things. Is this just a plot of Don Juan DeMarco? <laughs> he also um, would press really hard, like I mentioned, to you know relieve these tensions, but he thought it would... Uh, he thought if you pressed hard on certain parts of the body, you could invoke an orgasm reflex. I mean, I guess that's like true of some very specific areas but he would do this on like your face i'm gonna push i'm gonna take the heel of my hand and press as hard as i possibly can on your face until you have an orgasm reflex Uh, a secret known uh, only to the most popular dentists at at this point he um he went to a meeting of the international psychoanalytic association which he was not really welcome at but he insisted that he was still going to go and the reason he wasn't welcome is standing outside with a boom box over his head basically everybody in your eyes i pressed to give you an orgasm (laughs) basically there was it had already been decided 
uh, prior to this meeting that he was going to be kicked out. That they were going to they were going to once and for all as like an international <laughs> society just denounce this weirdo and not let him back in. Or is everybody so, on Earth here? Wilhelm rocks the pits. That he is a weirdo and he's pushing on naked people's faces. Totally. Um. So he came and he camped out there. And uh, and wandered around the conference the whole what weekend or however long it went on with a giant knife in his belt. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was kicked out and and not let back in and no. and at that point there was no you know there were always a few kind of weirdos who were following his theories but for the most part everybody kind of abandoned that. Um, he he moved at that point. He he went and uh, gave a lecture in Norway and liked it so much that he stayed there. Um, he started experimenting with some new therapies with patients. He uh, he studied biology and thought that maybe um, what it really was this instead of this kind of orgasmic energy that there was this um, that that fluid fills up different parts of the body and that there's like a bioelectric discharge. Again, I think he's talking about orgasm, um, and then the fluid goes away. And so in order to to test this, he had a bunch of patients hooked up to um, oscilloscopes. Mm, I know that word. What, what's that? And some kind of like it, it measures like electrical, bioelectrical activity. Okay. And um, they would like touch each other and masturbate and stuff in front of him. And then he would watch the oscilloscopes to see the energy that was released. That's weird. Um, basically, he was shunned all over for this kind of stuff. And so he... Moved to the one place where he still had some fans. Which was? You guessed it. The United States of America? The good old U.S. Uh, of A. Yeah. I'll take all comers. Bring me your bring me your poor. Bring me your hungry. Bring me your weirdos. <laughs> bring me your sex weirdos. Bring me your sex weirdos. Um, he, this, is, this is where the sex boxes come in. Because um, if you're going to move to the U.S., you got to have a gimmick. If you're going to sell. You a hook. <laughs> if you're going to sell to Americans, we need something snappy yeah you know forget this something peppy something <laughs> forget this uh character armor forget this vegetative current orgasmic potency we that's we've heard it all before we need a brand uh so what he what he started to describe was the idea that there is a cosmic energy it, that we're going beyond the orgastic potency there's a cosmic energy inside all things okay Okay, and like a life force. This is getting a little Matthew McConaughey for me, but I'm trying to hang in there. <laughs> he called it orgone energy. Okay, because I mean he just can't get just can't over get his mind off of it. <laughs> um, he's like a 12 year old boy, uh, and he uh, he thought that he actually developed a special telescope that you could use to see it if you wanted to see this energy. It was called an organoscope, of course. Well, I mean. No, he didn't. <laughs> like he, I mean, no, Sydney, he did very much did not do that. He made a thing that, like, I don't know, had, like, purple paint on the lens. Like, can you see it? It's incredible. <laughs> it's orgone energy. It's orgone energy. It looks like a penis. Yes. <laughs> what would you expect? Have you heard my theories? <laughs> don't you know what I'm all about? I wear conscious pants. <laughs> so it was this uh, kind of blue or blue-gray uh, coloring to things, basically, mm -hmm. is what it would look like. That's actually what the TARDIS is flying through. <laughs> that's why, that's why that's the TARDIS right. is blue. That's fine. Um, and you can see it in the color of the sky. That's an example of um, the presence of orgone energy. Uh, the northern lights, he believed, were discharges of orgone energy. St. Elmo's fire. Uh, <laughs> Boogie fever. <laughs> as well as, I guess, sometimes sexually excited frogs get a bluish tint. Okay. So... 
that is orgone energy this is i mean this is news to me yeah. maybe he made that up too yeah maybe, maybe when lying. he looked at sexually excited frogs he thought they looked blue maybe he would only look at sexually excited frogs maybe the better question is how do you know when a frog is sexually excited you show him a picture of his piggy <laughs> <laughs> okay that was good thanks i'll <laughs> give you on. that <laughs> um so he uh, he had this theory about this um, orgone energy, but it, you can't prove it because you can't really <laughs> see real. it. Well, yeah, because it's fake. But but he wanted to be able to prove that it was out there. So he built um, a sex box, is what they came to be known in in the media. But it was basically like a Faraday cage, and then he put and but he called it an orgone accumulator. So they were like big plywood boxes, like human sized plywood boxes. Um, they just had a chair and sometimes a little window inside and they were aligned with like rock or sheet iron or something like a bunch of layers of that because the more layers of whatever on the walls the more concentrated the orgone energy you could catch was <laughs> so you would just take off all your clothes and then sit in these boxes maybe this dude just had like a rapidly evolving fetish spectrum like he just <laughs> Every week he would wake up and something new like, okay, well, apparently now I can't finish unless people are in cages. That's my new thing. And they're looking for, are in cages and looking for space energy. That's the only way I can finish. The, uh, that's what the window was for, so you can just peer through it. I think so. I think, I think it's coming along in there. You feeling the energy? That's not feeling a good? That's not a camera on you. That's another organoscope. <laughs> Don't move, though. Don't, Don't move. move, though. It's a daguerreotype, so it's going to take a little while. <laughs> Um, he believed that in addition to concentrating orgone energy, that these um, orgone accumulators could cure cancer. No. So um, he started off by giving cancer to mice and then sticking the mice inside. At least their deaths meant something. You know, they didn't die in vain. The, the thing is, to be fair, I don't think he was actually giving cancer to the mice because he had found some sort of particle that he believed was the cancer particle, but it wasn't. It was probably just a staph infection. So I think he was actually shooting shooting mice full of staph. And he got super bacteria. excited when he could cure it. Like, then, look, look what I yeah, did. Yeah, and so I'm guessing some of them got better. And so he said he cured cancer when really they just overcame a staph infection. <laughs> um, he, uh, I think it's great. So we've already said that he, he got too weird for Freud. Um, he actually during this too time, weird for Freud's the name of my first album by the way <laughs> during this time Pick period he um he made friends with Einstein <laughs> and he met he met Einstein and he talked about some of his theories and Einstein wasn't super thrilled about him um, but sure. he did he did think he was an interesting guy um, and he did think he had kind of been treated unfairly for some of his just uh, kind of progressive sexual ideas not so much sex with among kids but contraception and such well this is the problem right i mean like you and i are goofing on this guy and i think with with absolutely fair grounds too but like it it's hard because anybody that is our 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 norms about sex are so concrete and they're so sort of ingrained in us that i think anybody trying to push forward an understanding of it it can be unfairly maligned sometimes. And I think that right. that also could create sort of a, that knowledge could create a shield for somebody where, you know, anything that they want to try, they're being persecuted for it because it's taboo rather than, no, it's just, it's just the weirdest. 
Yeah. No, I mean, I think you're right, because I think, you know, having a mobile sex clinic where you went around to people who normally wouldn't have access to physicians very easily and giving them information about sex and giving them contraception and talking to them about that is a is a really novel idea for the 19. I mean, we're talking like the 1920s, 1930s. Um, but then he obviously took it to a weird place. Yeah. Um, so because he was buddies with Einstein uh, he, and nobody believed him about his sex boxes, he sent one to Einstein and said, you know, check this, you're a scientist, check out this check sex it. box. Check out the sex <laughs> box. And then tell everybody that it works. And to his credit, Einstein really did try to find some sort of energy differential, you know, within and outside of the box, above and below the box. I mean, he really did so, okay. try to evaluate it to see if it had any merit. Um, okay, everybody, if you have gotten nothing else from Sawbones, right now, I want you to go to Twitter or Facebook and say, today, I learned on Sawbones that our greatest scientific mind spent an afternoon <laughs> looking for cosmic sex energy. Because what? And then put a link to our show. What? What? The Albert Einstein could have done anything that day. Okay. <laughs> he could have done anything, but he decided <laughs> to look for cosmic sex energy in a box. Do you know how many mysteries of the universe are unsolved because of the day he wasted examining the sex <laughs> box? He could have cracked anything. He could have cracked how to instantly warm your car when you go outside <laughs> during the winter. He could have cracked anything, but instead he spent the afternoon looking for cosmic sex energy. And this is why time travel doesn't exist Exactly. Yet. One more day, and he would have had it. Oh my God, it's Albert Einstein, I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> um, basically, he thought it was kind of silly, and he, he wrote him back, he wrote Wilhelm Reich back and said, you know, I this I don't think this works, I'm sorry, man, you know, good try. Um, <laughs> Reich wrote him back like a 32-page letter, you know, basically <laughs> saying, you're an idiot, and I'm right, and you need to reevaluate it, and Einstein kind of said, you know, I don't think we should be buddies anymore. 18 pages were dirty pictures that he drew, though. <laughs> He uh, so just like every other country he went to at this point, he he started being discredited in the press. Everybody was joking about this weird orgasm doctor with the sex boxes. Um, he got fired from the university where he was teaching. It's like the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Imagine the sad music at the end of everywhere he goes. He Moving re- on to the next country <laughs> where they don't know about weird sex energy. And he at, he at this point he was running this Organomic Infant Research Center. Where basically um, he was studying children to see kind of the beginnings of their neuroses and where the beginnings of psychiatric illness come from. And a lot of the studying involved having a naked kid stand in front of a panel of 30 researchers. Who could have seen that coming? So obviously people weren't weren't big fans of that. Um, and that kind of ended his career. He continued to go on to... Um, you know, make up weird theories. He, the uh, inverse of orgone energy was deadly orgone radiation or DOR. Mm-hmm. Um, he discovered, I guess, that discovered, invented, created. He's sounding suspiciously like a <laughs> 1960s Marvel comic at this point. <laughs> he, he found it in the atmosphere. Um, he said the, uh, it was poisoning us all and the only way you could combat it was with a cloud buster. Was getting naked in front of people and touching them. <laughs> Let me guess. <laughs> No, he invented a Public machine. erections. It's the only cure. <laughs> Let's have sex with all your patients. That's the only way we can cure it. Quick. 
Um, no, he invented a machine called a cloud buster, which uh, it was just a really... bunch of repurposed Xboxes. <laughs> put antennas on. I can't sell these things. <laughs> Got to find a new way. <laughs> Got to find something else. Cloud buster cloud, 2000. Cloud buster. <laughs> <laughs> now from Ronco. <laughs> Get it for the kids. Christmas is just around the corner. For $19.99. Guaranteed to almost definitely have never been used to harness the imaginary cosmic sex energy by Albert Einstein. <laughs> So the the cloud buster, um, you should really look up a picture of this online because uh, it, it shows a picture of like him operating one. It's a bunch of like metal tubes that are all kind of lined up. It looks like a like a like a gun, like some kind of missile launcher. Only there are a bunch of metal tubes all strapped to each other and wires wrapped around it, and it kind of goes down into water. And I don't know if it actually shoots water or if it just uses the water energy to shoot something. And you sh- he would shoot it at the clouds. And then he said when he had dissipated all the deadly orgone radiation, um, rain would happen. And so he actually was paid by some farmers, uh, some blueberry farmers. Who apparently weren't farmers, reading the newspapers real close. Uh, to, to come make it rain at their farm because their crops were dying. Um, and he did go. Have sex his, with them. <laughs> he went. He had sex with all of them. He used his cloud buster. <laughs> and it actually rained that night, so. So what's up now, yeah. Albert Einstein? So there were two farmers that believed him. Um, That's all you need. Basically, at this point, he actually, it's kind of interesting. He was investigated by the FBI mm-hmm. during all this, but that was, um, they got, it was a different Wilhelm Reich they were looking for. Ah. So it was just luck. a coincidence that he was also a weirdo. Um, but then the, uh, the a lot of psychiatrists and the, the FDA started an investigation of him. Because he was peddling these fake products mm-hmm. to people, you know, charging them money. And um, they basically confiscated all of his stuff and destroyed it and made him um, dismantle all of his sex boxes and made it illegal for him to sell them or traffic any of this stuff or any of the material about it. They actually burned his books and stuff. Yikes. Um, what were they hiding? <laughs> exactly. And uh, at that point, he really, he really kind of lost it. He began, like, chasing UFOs. Um he continued to sell all of his organ stuff, even though he had been forbidden to, and he actually ended up um, in jail because of it. Which is where this uh, this sad story ends. Um, he died of a heart attack in jail. Oh man, while well, having sex with people. <laughs> we we can only imagine. Um, so uh, nowadays we know that <laughs> a lot of these theories are not true. Right. Um, made up, you could say. Made up. Uh, it's. I'm certain that he did something for the, uh, you know, for the contraception movement. We could maybe give him credit for that. Sure. But not much else. Um, it's funny that we can look back. A lot of people talked about, you know, Freud and Einstein and a lot of famous uh, psychiatrists and physicians at the time when they met him thought he was a genius who was going to change the world. And then in retrospect, looked back and said, you know, he probably was severely mentally ill. Yeah. So... So. so there you go. It's a fine line, I guess. Yeah, apparently. So that's the strange tale of uh, Wilhelm Reich. Thank you again and, to Ross and Ellen for And you're going to get me a sex box for Christmas, right? I will go to, to eBay right now. I'm sure I'll be able to, to pick one up. Uh, thank you to everybody who listened to the show this week. Uh, thank you for sharing the show. Sorry we missed you last week. My my little Our, our little brother, Griffin, got married. Uh, so congratulations to him and his lovely wife Rachel. It was McElroy. so beautiful. You it guys really missed out. We missed out. All super of you. cold. Sorry. It was, it was the lovely. Best wedding ever. 
other than, of course, ours, which was yeah. actually the, the best greatest, wedding greatest, most romantic Sorry. thing that ever happened to anybody, ever. Uh, thank you to people who uh, tweeted about the show this week, like John Williams, uh, Tyler Matheson, Naomi Farron, uh, Mal's, Christina Nethers, Anna uh, Marquardt, uh, Ricardo Jacoto, Kay Calland, Aaron P., uh, and Hannah Crick. Uh, thank you so much for, for uh, tweeting about us. We're at Sawbones on Twitter, so uh, you can um, listen or follow us there. also want to mention, because I just saw on our Twitter feed, uh, our theme music is provided uh, with with kind permission from the taxpayers. Uh, the song's called Medicines. You can buy it on their website. And it's awesome, and you should. Go get it. Um, I also want to thank uh, William Smith, who sent us a super cool book called uh, Anomalies and Curiosities of Medicine. Uh, it has um, what he referred to as gross pictures, but I'm going to have to quibble. I think they're pretty awesome. As soon as we got the book, she was literally just sitting at the table, like flipping through it for 20 minutes. No, it's a it's a great book. Thank you so much. I really love it. Uh, and the pictures did gross Justin out, to be fair. Yeah. So, so. Uh, <laughs> if you want to send us something, we're P.O. Box 54, Huntington, West Virginia, 25706. Let's keep those weird pictures to a minimum. Send us gifts. Yeah, send us gifts. I think we get in trouble for this. No, it's fine. It's totally legal. Uh, anyway, go review us on iTunes. Go subscribe to us there. Go uh, pass that link around. Remember to tell people that uh, Albert Einstein wastes afternoon looking for weird cosmic sex energy because you know that now thanks to us and uh, be sure to join us again next Friday for another episode of Solbuds until then I'm Justin I'm Sydney and as always don't drill a hole in your head MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.